was so proud of our women. I pride myself in that little element on our product of them signing their names. Cause for me, it's more than just the storytelling of how far they've come. Like that was a massive accomplishment for them to even write their names. And that's where we started. We started with education. I love that our foundation was like, we just want to educate. Um, and then of course now we do trainings, but we just want to educate because that's, that's where the empowerment starts for these women, because Mm -hmm. that's when they grow in their confidence. That's when they become better for their communities. And that's when they can dream for their future, for their, for their families. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an amazing person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make a difference wherever you are. My guest this week is Jenny Nuccio. Jenny is actually a dear friend of mine, but more importantly, she is the founder and CEO of Imani Collective, a social enterprise and holistic women's empowerment program in Mombasa, Kenya, committed to breaking generational poverty. Having lived as an integral part of her Kenyan community since 2013, she is committed to the collaborative advancement of equitable opportunity for the friends she works with every day, as well as for marginalized populations worldwide. She's also the co-founder of the School of Ethical Impact and brings a unique intersection of both classroom and real-world social entrepreneurship expertise. But this is only part of her identity. Most days you can find her laughing with her kiddos, wandering the streets of Mombasa, or simply enjoying a great cup of Kenyan coffee. She wears many hats, but some of her favorites are being a wife and mother of three who's passionate about spreading joy and helping inspire women from all walks of life to pursue their dreams and step into their true potential. I was so happy to have my dear friend Jenny on the show. She and I met uh, in person last year in 2020 before everything, you know, hit the fan. (laughs) But I was just so pumped to have her on the show. She's incredible. Her heart is amazing. She's so brilliant. And you are going to absolutely love her. Uh, But before I get to my conversation with Jenny, I want to take a quick break to thank our partner of the show, and that's Mama Suds. It is time for a spring clean refresh. So we got to get your home sparkling the safe way with Mama Suds. Castile soap is the superhero of soaps. It really does it all from the windows to the walls to the wall. Okay, I'm sorry. I get a little carried away. Uh, It really is truly the only soap you need. What can you do with Mama Suds Castile Soap? You can clean the floors, scrub the counters, bathtubs, tile, baseboards, windows, blinds. You can even use it on carpets. So grab a gallon of Mama Suds Castile Soap and start tackling all of your spring cleaning to-dos at mamasuds.com and use the coupon code MOLLY for 15% off your order. Now on to my conversation with Jenny. Jenny, I am so excited to have you. Thank you for coming on the show, friend. It's good to uh, just see you. I know that the listeners can't, but I can. And I just, I've missed you. How are you? Girl, I missed you too. I It's been weird. Well, I normally don't see a lot of people unless you guys travel over here to Kenya. But even you, you travel here quite often. Um, I know. But with the way the world is, 
haven't seen people so much, but I love that I can see you virtually. I know. I'm great. I'm so great. How are you doing? I'm good. And you know, I was thinking about it the other day. I was actually talking with uh, the friends that I usually travel to Kenya with. And I was like, we're not going to Kenya this year. Like, this is the worst. Um, that is and, so, that is crazy. I feel like you normally come almost, what, once a year? Try, every other I mean, year at least. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And it's so, uh, in so many ways, to think back to the reality that I started 2020 in Kenya. Like, I flew to Kenya yeah. on New Year's Day, which was, by the way, just general recommendations for life is I do not recommend taking a flight out to Kenya at like 6 a.m. on New Year's Day because because <laughs> New Year's Eve, I was I mean, I always stay up for midnight, even though I'm like, you know, well into my 30s. And so I can't hang like I used to. But I was like, oh, I got to stay up for midnight. But then I'm like also packing. And then I'm realizing like I have to leave for the airport in like three and a half hours. Uh, this is not good. Yeah. <laughs> and so are you, so do you pack, like, are you pretty planned packer or are you last minute packer? So I am a very last minute packer and it is to the, much to the chagrin of my husband, he does not <laughs> love that I am a last minute packer, but it's because here's why. It is because I am doing all of the other things to prepare to leave. And so the last thing that I do is pack myself because usually for a trip, like even if I'm traveling alone or if I'm traveling with my family, like I'm taking care of all the other logistics, whether it's like preparing for the house sitter or I've got to do all the, you know, the laundry or like I'm somebody who I have to come home to a clean house. So I Mm -hmm. have to like clean my house top to bottom before I leave or I need to you know, make sure that all the documents are together. Like I am the the logistics coordinator. And so the last thing that I do is pack myself. And so meanwhile, my my husband, all he has to do is like get his suitcase out and pack his own stuff. And like I do everything. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's a mom thing. It's a woman woman thing. It's a mom thing. But I also think like I used to be more proactive in my packing. And I think the more comfortable I grew with like international travel and just traveling more often, I just got a little bit um, delayed and more delayed in my packing. And so I'm like, oh, crap, I'm leaving in a couple hours. And okay. I need to get this together. Okay. But then the question too, on the flip side is when you get home, are you somebody who unpacks right away? Or do you live out of your suitcase in your own home for like another three weeks? Um, There's like depends. really no in between. Norm- it, it kind of depends. It but normally my normal is I unpack right away because I can't like, so I normally I get home and, but it depends if my kids are with me or not. That's the big thing. If my kids are with me, we might live out of our suitcases a little bit longer, but if it's just me coming home, I normally unpack right away and put that suitcase away. Yeah, no, I am 100% an unpacker right away. Like walk in the door, everything has to get taken out of suitcases, suitcases back in closets, I'm running a load of laundry like I have and that I think that's part of why I have to have my house clean when I come home Mm. because I need to feel a sense of order and so I have to put everything away like it is a compulsive just feels better yes yes but it's funny because I've talked to people who are there's really no in between it's people either like unpack right away or they live out of their like it's a month later and their suitcase is still on their floor I would say I would say I definitely fall more unpack right away. My husband falls. Let me live out of a suitcase for 5 million years. And I'm like, excuse me, why is this 
suitcase still like, here. Why is this here? We've been back in Kenya for six months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. My, um, my, thankfully, my husband's the same way that I am. Like he has to unpack right oh. away. So anyway, so I mean, I think we're just sitting here and we're just reminiscing about the time when we could just really easily travel because. I don't know. We had all, you know, and then once we got back and then I, I had a crazy travel January and January 2020, we met each other in person in Nashville, which was just amazing, nice. um, which is just hilarious that I'd just been in Kenya. You live in Kenya. We didn't see each other there, but then we saw each other in Nashville. Yeah. And then pretty much we got home and then obviously nobody traveled again after that. Yeah. And we had all these travel plans. It is really sad. Summer. It's so sad. I was thinking about that trip because I was like, okay, we met each other. And then I like, Last minute, you were with me, like last minute changed my ticket. I was supposed to go back home and last minute changed it to go to Washington to meet with some friends there and like (laughs) pitch a project to them there. And it was all last minute. And now I have guests who are here right now and I'm like, wow, this really sucks. They have to like plan ahead because they just had to get their COVID test and they have to like all the restrictions. I'm like, when? Oh, we took that for granted when we could just like hop on a plane. We really did. We really did. Now you have to, I mean, like right as of right now. I mean, obviously, everything is subject to change. But as of right now, like we have a trip planned, um, like a work trip for my husband's job to Hawaii, Hawaii in August. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I'm not counting my chickens. Like, I don't think I'm supposed to be there in August. Really? Maybe. I don't know. But I'm I'm just trying to I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm I don't want to count my chickens because we had so many travel plans last summer that never happened. And so. I'm like, this is cute that we're going to plan this. And I mean, it's a work trip, which I'm (laughs) not complaining about. But still, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. A lot can change. We'll see. A lot can change. In any event, here we are, just two friends chit-chatting. Jenny, it's, you know, I know you. I don't know if the Business with Purpose podcast community knows you. They should. So Jenny, give us the Jenny 101. Tell us who you are, what you do, how you got to where you are today. Yes. I feel like I could tell you guys all the things. I actually have some really exciting projects happening this year that I can't even share with you guys. So just be looking out for that. Uh, Things that I'm doing behind the scenes. Um, Not even my parents know. That's how like behind the scenes it is. I normally tell like my mom everything. Um, Even my best friend doesn't know. The only people that know are like, Mm, people, I guess like a couple of my main leaders here because they're just around me all the time. So they get to hear me talk about it all the time. And of course, my husband. But so cool projects are happening. But yes, so I'm Jenny, um, Jenny Nuccio. Um, people sometimes say Nuccio, Nuccio. I don't know. They, I never had a last name issue until I married my husband, um, but <laughs> Jenny Nuccio. And most people know me as the founder of Amani Collective, which I love that hat. I love being known for that. I also, which I'll explain what that is, but I also am a wife, uh, will be of eight years at the end of this year. I'm already mm-hmm. counting eight. We're not even there, but seven years will go through seven years. <laughs> um, and I have three lovely children, a five-year-old, three-year-old and 10-month-old. And yeah, life is busy. Um, so I wear all of those hats as well. But yeah, Amani Collective, I've lived in Kenya. Um, so I say that I was, what, born blue, moved to a yellow, and now I'm green. Um, and I've been in Mombasa, Kenya for the last decade of my life. And we don't see that changing anytime soon. We love what we do here, me and my husband. But if you know or have heard of Amani Collective, we are a socioeconomic women empowerment program here in Kenya. And we now have a little over a hundred women. We just opened, we've been working on a partnership for the last year. We just opened our third location in Turkana. So up North Kenya, I was just there a couple of days ago 
And that was, yeah, that was really, really fun. And what's interesting is I brought my Kenyan leaders up there and in Turkana, they don't speak Swahili and they, they don't speak like any English. So they only speak Turkana. So it was like the first time my Kenyan leaders like, were like, what? Like we can't like, you know, they, they, some of our Turkana women know a bit of, a bit of Swahili, but it was like the first time I felt like they were in my shoes when I first came to Kenya, you yeah. know, like you finally know what it felt like when I first moved here. <laughs> like we <laughs> don't understand anything. Um, but yeah, I just love, I mean, I love what we do. We started when I first moved here. Um, I had started establishing relationships here with a project back in 2009. So before Amani Collective became Amani Collective, um, I had been traveling back and forth for four or five years and developing these relationships with these women. And then we started as a training program back in 2013. I sold everything. I moved into the middle of a village. I was that crazy girl who literally lived off like $100 a month and never wore shoes and drank the well without it being tested. So later found out I had parasites and all the crazy things. So make sure you do test your water and please wear shoes. Don't be that crazy. Um, shoes are important. So I look back at, yeah, I did, I did some funny things back in the day. But yeah, we started as a training program at 16 women. And the other day I was sitting in our new workshop. We just opened up a new workshop in Old Town, Mombasa. And if you follow me on Instagram, it's all over there. But I uh, was sitting there and just some, I feel like I'm such a, you might deal with this Molly, but I'm such a dreamer and a visionary that I'm always looking at like what's next. And mm -hmm. so we had just opened this workshop and I had really been just dreaming of this workshop over the last year. And with COVID, it, slow, it slowed things down and he did this free grand opening in January, but I didn't really like, it didn't really hit me until like a month later when I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, like how far have we come? Like we've done so much because I feel like whenever we accomplish the next thing or whenever we get, you know, another woman on, on board to Monty Collective and get to hear her story and then get to see her transformation, I just, I, I'm there, but I'm also not there because I'm like thinking of what's next and more impact that we can do, you know? So um, I've been reminding myself to take those longer breaths and deep breaths and be present um, and be like, wow, we have, we have come so far. Wow. Wow. Well, okay. First question. And I think I asked uh -huh. you this last year. So you do speak Swahili or you like better, more understand it than you can speak it yourself? Indeed. Um, I do. I speak it, but I am much better at understanding. So if my if you ever ask my staff, they can have a full meeting in Swahili and I will respond to them in English. So like I understand what's happening and I can I, I'm comprehending. I'm just so slow. Like my responses are so slow and I'm kind of I'm not a perfectionist by any means, but in language, I do want to respect and like answer back. And what's funny with cultures here is like, you know, you try, you try, but then they like laugh at you and it kind of like brings down your self-esteem. You're like, <laughs> after being laughed at so many times, you're like, should I keep trying? Like, do you want me to keep trying? You know? And my staff is always like, yes, keep trying. But everyone speaks English. So I can understand a lot, everything that's happening, but yeah. I will just respond in English. Um, but I do know a good amount of Swahili, so I can pull out some phrases and words and things like that, but I don't speak it as often as I should. Yeah. I, we talked about this a little bit, but I, so I love languages. I love learning languages. It's just something I've always enjoyed doing. And I, a couple years ago started doing Swahili because I would go, when I would go, I would always learn phrases and things that I should say 
which by the way, I'm just going to throw this out there. This is a quick digression. We're just going to go there because we're friends. <laughs> okay. Um, so no one told me for the, like the first time I went to Kenya was in 2011. No one told me that you should not say Jumbo. Okay. I did not know. <laughs> so if you're listening and you ever go to Kenya or a Swahili speaking country, do not say Jumbo because you know what? No. Jumbo means hello, but it actually just means, hello, I am an American and I am here in your country is what it Jumbo. means. Jumbo. Yes, exactly. And you hear all the kids screaming at you, Jumbo, Jumbo. It's because, yes. It's because oh, you're. Oh, it's a foreigner. Yeah. Yes. Like, it's pro- oh, it's a foreigner. They're saying Jumbo. It's like, it's literally like yelling, hello, I am a foreigner by saying yes. Jumbo. So, um, but no one told me that until like, I think maybe 2017 when I went in 2017. And I was like, what? Why y'all been letting me say Jumbo this whole time? And like my Kenyan friends who I've known this whole time. And I'm like, why, why y'all didn't tell me? Why? Why did I? They're like, we thought that it was funny. And I was like, did they guys. give you a replacement to say? Yes. Yes. So <laughs> the generally I'll say like Sasa, which is like kind of basically like, what's up? Hey, what's mm-hmm. up? It's much more. And then you can be like, yeah. boa. And uh, my favorite thing is now, like, because when I go, I mean, I know much more than I do than I did before. And <laughs> um, I, I'll be like, Sasa. And then you'll hear like little kids be like, boa. <laughs> like, they're just the cutest, <laughs> the cutest thing ever. But all that to say is that Swahili is this beautiful language and I've been learning mm. it on Duolingo um, in a mm. mis- in a conjunction with like what I learn when I'm physically there. So I try to practice as much as I can. But it is, especially coming from a romance language, it is so hard. Swahili is a really freaking hard language and nobody realizes, I think, how difficult of a language it is. Yeah, because it actually, people will say it's one of the easiest languages out there to learn. But what's interesting about Swahili is in what I didn't learn until I went to language school. Um, So I learned a lot over the years. And then I actually pulled myself out of Kenya with my husband. We went for like six weeks in Tanzania just to be like fully immersed and just concentrate on language. And is that a word, like something that looks like a word, it just looks really long, is actually a sentence. Yes. But it's just like in... There are no spaces in it, which is a lot of letters. And you're like, and then in that sentence, then you, once you finally learn your tenses and Mm -hmm. your future and pat, like all those, like once you've learned all of it, then you start picking it out of that. And you're like, oh, oh, that's a sentence. I just thought like this was another long vocabulary (laughs) word I was supposed to have to learn. Yes. Um, Yeah. And then it's just crazy. Yeah. It really is. It's a a beautiful language. If you can understand it and you can learn how to say it back correctly. Yeah. It is beautiful. But yeah, I, so I, I love it. I think it's just an incredible language. So anyway, that's a, that was my quick Swahili digression. Um, one day my goal is to be like, not fluent, but like mm-hmm. be able to like carry on full on conversations. And I'm, I'm I, told, I told my staff, I said, once I get like, my kids get a little bit older and I, you know, I just am finishing out my doctorate and different things. I was like, I want to go back and actually like learn it fully. You know, I'm like, I'm here. I understand it, but it would just be so nice to sit down when we're old, 80 years old in our rocking chairs and me just speaking, you know, so I like I I crave to have that genuine relationship too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's actually, while this was a digression, I think it actually is very indicative of just what you're doing with the Monty Collective because language really is 
um, such a beautiful picture of different cultures. And I I think that's mm. why I love language so much, because you can learn so much about a culture through their language. And yeah. um, so talk to us about what led you to Kenya, obviously living in a village, getting parasites, it's not wearing <laughs> shoes, it was a whole thing. But what led you there? And then what led you to start Amani Collective? Yeah, so funny enough, um, what led me there was just a quick bulletin in a church when I sat in the back of a mega church that says, if you want to go to Mombasa, Kenya, call this guy, Chris, and it had his number. It literally, I read that line. It could have been so easily missed. And I read it and I was like, I had not been thinking about going overseas. Most people are like, when they think of mission trips or different things, like it's been on their heart. It At that moment in my life, it had not been on my heart. But when I saw it, there was just like this piece that resonated in my soul. And it was like, you need to be on that trip. And as soon as I called Chris, it was just very clear. I needed to be there. And so that's what got me there at first. And when I, I tell this quite often, but like when I got there, it really was kind of a soul searching. Um, I didn't go, I did go on a mission trip, but not with the mentality or intention of like, I'm coming to serve actually. And I'm coming to make things better. It came of like, I'm coming to learn and grow and like, see what else is out there in these beautiful cultures and come and walk alongside them. And so I think that's kind of been part of my journey too, of like, as I've continued to come back in all those years, because I never thought I would come back to Kenya. And then I came back the next year and the next year <laughs> just got longer. But after all those years, it was just going back and observing. And what I call now and what I realized I was doing then is radically listening. Like what what's happening around me and what are they going through? And wow, we're all human and we're all connected and we all have very, very much the same issues that are happening. We're just in different, you know, geographical locations. But what I saw is when I originally was going, I was working with a school and helping them develop a child sponsorship program at that time and not like the robustness of it, just the children's profile. So I would go and I'd visit and I'd sit in these homes. And I really valued that time. I learned I about what a relationship should really look mm -hmm. like, right? Like when we ask you, how are you? Like, wow, they really want to know how, how yeah. I am. And I think we grow up in a culture that's so much about achievement and all of these different elements that that just becomes a greeting and not an actual like intentional ask of how are you doing? And we just get so used to being complacent in that response. And so when I would sit at these homes and collect these profiles, and then they were actually wanting to know how I was, the one I think that I say Kenya scarred my heart from the beginning. And it, I think when I use that such an intense word of scarred, it's more so that like, it changed me because it made me realize, oh, this is this is how we do life with people. And this is what as humans, like we desire this connection. And so but what I kept seeing in these gaps was that these people were there and they were caring for the kids um, and they were getting sponsorships for the kids, but they still required these women to give them at least like a dollar a month per kid that was in their school which I liked that because I was like, okay, that's not like this handout mentality. They are trying to keep them being responsible. Now the problem was, is that still was a lot for the women who didn't have jobs, right? And they might've had six kids in that school and, and all the things. And so I was, I was getting a little torn was like, okay, well, you're telling your sponsors that this kid is sponsored, but then this kid is getting sent back to school. So you have some people believing this kid is sitting in school but then they're actually missing days of school because the women can't pay that dollar. So what's happening with the women? Like, why aren't we having conversations with women? And why aren't we asking the chiefs of the, the village? And why aren't we sitting down and asking what's happening, you know, and listening? 
to where we could come alongside. And so over those years, I grew and I just fell in love with the women. We became really good friends. And I know you know how that is. You have like basically family in Kenya and you have sisters and moms and dads in Kenya. So you know exactly how that is. And yeah. And I just was like, well, I don't have a solution and my ideas are not better, but what can I do to help create opportunities that you guys want? And so I remember the year before I moved, I sat down with, it was interesting. I sat down with the chief of the village and I asked, I said, if I came and I started a program, one, would you even want me here to do that? And would you accept that? And would you want the women to learn? Like, would you want your women to grow and learn? And they, with open arms, were like, absolutely. Um, So that is a big part of my story too, of like not just coming in, right? But also like them being received by them. And then that following year, yeah, I sold everything and I moved there and I started the training program. And then what I quickly learned from that is as soon as I sold all my possessions (laughs) and decided to take this radical step, bought all these Singer sewing machines and sat in that room, I realized pretty much none of my women, I mean, some of them, but none of them knew their numbers. They didn't know how to read because I didn't even realize or I didn't listen well enough, I guess, that they had never stepped foot inside a classroom. So I was like, okay, we're not going to be making anything anytime soon. Let's push all these machines aside and let me just start teaching you your letters and your numbers. And so if you ever buy an Amani Collective product today, that's why I pride I'm so proud of our women. I pride myself in that little element on our product of them signing their names. Because for me, it's more than just the storytelling of how far they've come. Like that was a massive accomplishment for them to even write their names. And that's where we started. We started with education. Uh, and so we have a beautiful brand now and I love everything that we represent. But I, I love that our foundation was like, we just want to educate. Um, and then of course, now we do trainings, but we just want to educate because that's, that's where the empowerment starts for these women, because Mm -hmm. that's when they grow in their confidence. That's when they become better for their communities. And that's when they can dream for their future, for their, for their families. Yeah. You brought up a really good point about you even admitted to your own, maybe I just didn't listen well enough. Um, and that was something that uh, that was certainly a learning process for myself and some of my friends and in, in the communities that we work in in Kenya. And we had developed these relationships and we were starting these programs and then suddenly realized that most of the women we were working with were completely illiterate, like had literally right. could not read, could not write. Um, yeah. And, and just like we, yeah, we were in the same position of being like, okay, well, we got to just kind of go go back a little bit. And um, and that has actually, I don't know if you, you've found that this is kind of how it has been for you too, but going back to the basics and not coming at it from a position of like, oh, you've never been in school, but just being like, all right, you know what? We're going to come, we're going to do this together. And it's created and it's not even coming from us. Like we've just developed and and raised up these Kenyan leaders who are just incredible. And so they've really led these women into, you know, teaching them the basics of like, you know, reading and writing and and numbers, but then developing these skills and then figuring out, okay, what, what area do these women specialize in? And it's been a really beautiful process because it has developed these Mm. strong bonds between them to where they are just like they will go to bat for each other and they've exactly. all, that's that's woven into the Kenyan culture to begin with everybody who meets each other is just like suddenly best friends <laughs> like there's so yeah. many times where i would like ask my friend susan i'd be like wait you 
you guys were just chatting. Do you know her? And she was like, no, but I do now. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Like you guys, <laughs> we don't do that in America. We don't just like no. make BFFs with the person that we happen to just have a brief conversation with. Anyway, yeah. So uh, all that to say is just, I think that's a really important thing for you too, as a leader to admit, you know, hey, I screwed this up at the beginning or, and yeah. when to and learn I think and I get asked that a lot. You know, I get asked like, Jenny, how do you do all the things? And I always answer like, I don't yeah. do all the things. Like it is totally a team behind me. And it's, I like how you mentioned like, okay, we were there, but like, we did, we came alongside, we worked with them. And so I've always just said like, you know, like God used me as a vessel. Like I'm just a vessel for this. So it's just like, and I will like the, where our women have come from is nothing that I did. I just came alongside them and, and we grew together, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love to see how far they've come. I love to see my leaders. And then on the community aspect, right? Like we did, like when you're like, everyone is friends, everyone is friends. I will say one thing that I do, if you come to our old town workshop, it's contagious. Like people are like, like I, I'm like, if you want to know how to do culture, like let us teach that because it is so contagious. Um, yeah. But it took, it takes time and it takes trust. And especially in our old town workshop, because that was really hard. Like I not only was joining cultures, like my village workshop is they're all Gediama tribe. They're all the same. Our Turkana location, all Turk, you know, from Turkana. But like our old town is a mixture. You have like Kikuyus, you have all different tribes. Yeah. And then you also have Arab and Yemen and you have all different backgrounds and you have all different religions. Mm -hmm. And so it was the first time we were melting a lot of different beliefs um, within one roof. Yeah. And I, I remember in the beginning, um, having to let go some of our, some of the women, because we would have this like duty chart, because I said, our workshop is like your home. And so you guys are all going to like pitch in of how we're going to clean this home together. And at, I think then we had about 12 women in town. We now have close to 50, but at that time it was like, one of the duties was, okay, you alter alternated cleaning, like the washroom area. And this woman refused because she said, no, it was like very typical, like tribal opinion versus like very like, I don't know if she, she was Arab, but she was definitely from a town, right? So very different cultures where this woman would see this woman as almost like a house help or something like that. And I share this story a lot, even with people here. So it's a sensitive story, but it's true. There's a caste system. That's what happens yeah. here. But she was like, I refuse. I refuse to clean this because she sat there and saying, you know, pointing to kind of our Kukuyu tribe. Um, woman. And I was like, okay, well, then you don't have to be a part of our community. And what hurts me in those conversations is because I know, I know what we could do, you know, for those women. And I know what, how much they would transform. Um, what's interesting now is some of those people in the early days are now coming back, you know, knocking at our door, wanting to be a part of how much we've grown and, yeah. and whatnot. And we have to come at it with love and grace and have those conversations now, um, which is a whole nother conversation. But that shows you a little bit of where we started, where it was like this very interesting mix of like this person, we're working alongside, we have the same titles, we make the same pay, but this person would be, con we'd be considered, right? This, this house help or a lower caste than yeah. me. And all of a sudden I'm putting them all in one room and saying, you need to love each other and respect each other and share this space together. And that was hard. Like yeah. for the first year, like having to have these hard conversations, what that community looks like. Um, but the other day I had a, a meeting with our women in Old Town 
and I was sharing about Turkana and I said, guys, this is so cool. Like we have our women, we have 13 women up there and I can't wait for the day that you guys get to meet them. And I actually got, my eyes got watery like they are now because I was like, because you guys know the best, what it looks like to do community well. Because all of you in here come from different backgrounds, different tribes, different religions, and look at your best friends right now. Look at who you're sitting by. And they all were shaking their head and just like cheering because they know how far they've come. In fact, another really quick story is we do like themed monthly theme days. This was so beautiful. This shows like the community. And last month we had African themed day. So like people are supposed to come and, you know, like the Katenge, the yeah. head wraps, like the big, like come African themed. And our women who are normally in their like buoy buoy, like get ups came in African wear and had head wraps. So I'm seeing my sweet old town women that are normally, you know, fully covered and very like in very bright clothes wow. and they have like katenge wraps and they were so excited and we give like gifts to like the most like most themed person and it they loved it like they were just so on board with it and that's what shows like how deep of a respect and of, of our culture that we have and how we've grown in that where mm. you can take two women from completely different backgrounds look at each other differently and be friends and be community and call each other family and like you said like they would fight for them, you yeah. know, something happened to them. And that, that is not, you know, we're fighting against that status quo. So that's like really special for me. Yeah. That's a really powerful, powerful image that you uh, just kind of pictured for us. Um, and because it is, it's especially just right. I mean, well, let's be honest, from the cre from the time of creation, when God created the world, like we've mm. been divided. We we divide over so many different things, belief systems and where we're from and um, you know, I'm I'm doing a Bible study through Genesis right now and I'm like, good gracious, like just from the from the get-go, we've mm. just been at each other's throats and but then also there are these pictures of what God created why God created us to be in community with him and with each other. And that w w when we can look beyond these quote unquote labels and, um, you know, especially mm. when you're talking about for people in the States, they don't might, they might not necessarily understand like tribal alliances in Kenya run mm. like deep. It's a very, uh, I don't know how to properly describe it in a way that it's, it's just very, even if, Cause there's so yeah, there's like 40, just, is it like 40 some tribes in Kenya? Yeah. Yeah. There's a little over 50 tribes. And yeah. like, there's just an allegiance to that. Like yes. you are that and there's certain traditions to it, like where you come from. And so there is, they're deeply, they're proud of where they're from and it's, they're deeply rooted yeah. in their heritage and in that yeah. tribe. Yeah. And so, and then there can just be tensions alongside of that. And so mm -hmm. obviously a lot has changed over the years, but still it's, you know, just to think about the way that we here, even in America, just divide over things like, oh, you're a Republican. I can't be friends with you. You're a Democrat. Yeah, I can't exactly. be friends with you. Or you voted for this person. I can't be friends with you. Or you believe this. So you're canceled. Like there's strict divisions these days or like, oh, you believe this in religion yeah. or you believe that religion. And we can't be in community with each other. It doesn't mean you have to like everybody, but there right. is a beautiful picture when it's just like, 
you know what? Our neighborhood has people from all different races and cultures or, or, you know, we go to school or church with people who look different from us and we're, we're in community with people who believe and think differently from us because if we live in this echo chamber, we're, we're just surrounded by people who look and think and act exactly like we do, then we don't change. We don't, we just continue to, to, to like <laughs> strengthen right. our own personal yeah. beliefs. And which, I think, you know, I, you know, I think I started asking these harder questions, right? And so one of, one of the things that I didn't talk around in the beginning of what I do as well is like, I just co-founded a school called the School of Ethical Impact because I think it's really important of what does that look like yeah. in all of our conversations to do good in our business, to, to be better yeah. personally, to be, to be, to have these hard conversations. Life is hard. Like right. let's have these hard conversations about this cancel thing, crazy thing that's happening, this white privilege thing that's happening. Like let's talk about it because it's there. It's right. the elephant in the room. So let's talk about it and let's push into that. And let's, let's not, not listen to each other. That's where the radically listening comes in of like, let's respect each other and grow together because we're all going to have different opinions, but we can still have community together. Yeah. Um, cause that's what as humans we were built. Yeah. We were built to, to be in community. So yeah. So with the school too, like, I mean, we started it to, to equip people, I mean, to have these hard conversations, but also to equip people to do good in this world. Yeah. And whether that's with their business or with a new idea or venture, um, I get tons, you guys land in my DMs all the time. That sounds weird. Slide in my DMs <laughs> you land in there all the time or direct message me, email me, whatever. Um, and ask me, how did I do it? Or how do you, how do I get, how do I ship this? Or what pro from operational stuff, division stuff to all these things that I was like, I want to create something that answers those questions for you. That's not like just an, um, like, that's not just like a mastermind, which masterminds are great, but I don't want it to be like, where it's just going to be this, like you, you pay for this. And it's like this wooey thing. Like I want it to be heavy, like in the sense of you're going to get practical tools and curriculum and you're going to learn from my mistakes and my experiences and my celebrations as well. And also establish a really beautiful network in the school too, because um, yeah, as you know, the more you grow and the more you're in this space, the more people you meet. And I, all I've ever wanted to do is partner and be in community pe with people and collaborate with people and not be in competition, but say, Hey, come along. Like, let's do this together. Cause we each do things really, really well. And I want to be a part of that too. Right. Yeah. I want you to come and like, teach our women financial literacy or whatever, you know, like, because you do that really well. So I think we forget about this really cool partnership part and yeah. we try to reinvent the wheel a million times. And I'm like, I want that to stop. I want us to start partnering with, 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 with each other and what's happening around right. the world. Right. Now, obviously a lot has changed for all of us in the last 18 months. Um, but you, you've done a lot of pivots in your own business with Amani Collective mm -hmm. and, you know, prior to every the world changing people knew Amani Collective as beautiful home goods and you know these beautiful uh, kind of wall hangings and pillows and just gorgeous gorgeous things you do a lot of custom work too uh custom mm -hmm. orders for you know come big companies like doTERRA mm -hmm. and you know, you, you just create these beautiful products, but obviously a lot has changed um, and you've made some pivots in your business. What does Money Collective look like for you today? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that changed for us is a lot of it, you know, we have at least a store in every state in the nation. And so, and then we're looking at globally expanding that as well and what that might look like. 
But I think when COVID happened, it was more so, okay, how can we be, oh, well, a lot of stuff happened, like came online, which is great. You guys showed up online more so than we ever could imagine. So um, our e, we've always wanted to be kind of a lead e-commerce business, ethical brand and social enterprise. And I never, I felt like that was so far-fetched because online is a hard space to be. And so we were getting it through our wholesalers in different, in different areas, but you guys showed up and that was beautiful. And so we started leaning into that of what does that look like to be more in that space? And then what does that look like where we can diversify our line a bit more? Now, the main reason why we just started doing these like affirmation banners and banners and hang signs and kind of stuck to that is. We, I believe, solely believe in locally sourcing. So I wanted to make sure like our supply chain is ethical and what are, how are we sourcing and that we're not importing stuff. And so that's just core to my belief in, in an Imani collective. So how can we do that with quality, but also shipping, right? So you're looking at shipping is, this is the number one I question I get from everyone is how do you do <laughs> shipping? It's always going to be expensive, guys. So let me just put that out there. Shipping is expensive. Sorry, that's what it is. <laughs> like there are no corners that I've cut. It's just expensive. But we knew that we had a partnership with DHL. So that changed quite a bit in COVID. That became more expensive. Yeah. But we knew we could send a lot, right? So that's why we we kept with that. That's why you've seen a lot of iterations with our banners and we keep pushing those out. And that will be a common theme in our product lines. We've already have like up to quarter two of next year, like design. So you'll see that continued um, throughout the years. But it made us realize, okay, let's start, let's bring in a strat. We actually brought in a strategist this year, which was like game changing. And let's think long-term, like let's stop being so reactive. Like let's think long-term and what does this look like for us? Because there's so much stuff that we sell in our shop here in Kenya that you guys don't get to touch. And it Mm. makes me so sad but the main reason is shipping yeah and and we're like okay well then what does that look like for us to plan so far in advance actually get the money to do that to ship containers so you guys can get the throw blankets and the baskets and these bigger items that we're making that are beautiful but we just can't get to you because of just pricing structure and so we've been doing a lot of pivots and shift in our business of because we're in the growth stage you know we're not a startup anymore and we're in this really cool space of what does that look like to grow and scale our impact both for the customer to be involved and be able to deliver more beautiful home decor line items but also for our impact here in Kenya and other countries that we're working on and establishing so we, yeah, we're just really pumped for what is to come. Yes. Yes. I mean, I just, oh, everything that you guys make is so beautiful. And Thank I you. want to visit the workshop next time in Kenya. Cause actually as many times as I've been to Kenya, I've never been to Mombasa. So I need to I like, know we're like that stepchild. Everyone kind of forgets about people are like always flying in and out of Nairobi. <laughs> Mombasa's one, a hard place to actually to live. I mean, it's really, it's a hard hot culture it's hot and it's really hot and so most people just don't come down here and the only people that we do get down here are like europeans traveling here they say it's like the european hawaii right because we're right on the beach so all my other friends are like in western kenya like go to western kenya like kitali and like kisumu area or like they're in nairobi they never come down to mombasa but yeah our new workshop is so beautiful it's everything i've ever imagined and we used to be in like five different buildings in Old Town, and now we're like all in one building. And it just makes me so happy to see 
it all together and for all of our people to not be kind of segmented throughout the yeah. town, you know, in these smaller buildings, but all together. So it's, it's really beautiful. And we got murals to come, like my good friend came and painted murals throughout the space to just like represent oh, who we are. Awesome. And it's just, it's beautiful. Like when you finally, like the things that you see on Instagram, like I felt like we were just like in this like grungy workshop. It was dark, like decrepit walls for so long. And I was like, this doesn't even match our spirit or our community or who we are. And so like even the women, you can just see they're like, they light up in the space and they they lit up in the other space. That's what lit up our space because our space was so cringy. Yeah. So their smiles lit up the space. But here it's just like, they're so proud to work in it because it's just so beautiful too. Mm. And it just matches it finally matches the caliber of our brand, you know, as well, yeah. which I just really love. Yeah. 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 Okay. I've never, obviously not having, never having been to Mombasa, what are the beaches like? I got to ask. <sighs> They're beautiful. Like if you've ever been to Hawaii, like it matches that, but I would say it's even... I mean, they're beautiful. Um, and I just look, if you ever like even looked at like Maldives, we're only like a five hour flight from the Maldives. So that mm -hmm. kind of gives you an idea of like that, what, when you see pictures of that and the picture of that ocean, like that's what it looks like. It's, I mean, I'm pretty lucky that that's like my backyard. I forget, you know, I'm like, oh, the ocean is right here. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get so caught up that I'm like, Jenny, look up, like there's beauty in front yeah. of you. <laughs> you know? Oh man. Well, yeah. you obviously also have big things happening in 2020 in that you are getting your PhD, which you've been working yes. your rear end off. And so talk to us about that and the PhD program that you're going through. What kind of, what was the goal for that, for, you know, getting your PhD at this point? Yeah. So it was all online. So I can't say it was a PhD. This is all technicality. So it's okay. an EDD. It's still a doctoral program. I don't really care. Some people who are in the scholarly sector will be like, a PhD is better than an EDD. I go through all the same rigor as a PhD student. <laughs> um, I just don't have the residency hours of on campus. But um, yeah, I went through Texas A&M and Texas Tech. And what was so cool about this program, it's called Doc at Distance. And we were the, actually the last cohort to go through it um, until they stopped the partnership. So we were the eighth cohort. And when I decided to sign up for this, this was back in April of 2017. I almost didn't sign up for it because I'm like, when, when am I going to have time? But I kept telling myself, it's only going to get busier. My life is only going to get busier. And I'm so glad I did because they shut down the program. And I don't know any other program that you can do a doctorate fully online. Like you have to be on campus. So I'm just extremely blessed to be a part of this program and the, the professors who've come alongside me. But my main reason for it was actually credibility. Um, that sounds funny, but guys, my experience makes me credible for mm everything that I talk about. But to walk, what I was getting really annoyed about actually is in the impact investment world, which I'm becoming more and more a part of, especially with the School of Ethical Impact and what we want to do with the funding gap for the women entrepreneurs here in East Africa is I was not seeing, like, I was just walking into these rooms with like just white men, older white men always. And it was just these investment meetings. And I was like, I want to be a leader in this space. And I have a credible voice, but it was like, I always got, oh, you're so cute. Kind of like that, mm. you know, little, yep. I just felt like ver verbally, they were just like patting me on the head. And I'm very like, I'm a firecracker. I'm a, I'm an Enneagram eight. So I'm like, no, like this, <laughs> this yeah. is not, this is not going down. Like, I want to have research on the books that says like, when I say that like a social enterprise and a whole list and holistic empowerment truly transforms a woman, I want that to be, I want that there to be research to prove 
that, like what I'm saying, those statements. I see it all the time, but where's the research, right? And so I actually signed up for the program when my my son was just shy of a year old. So I think he was 10 months old. He's now almost five. Yeah, because I just wanted, I wanted my voice to be heard. And when funny enough, in the last year, people are like, yeah, just like that. Oh, you're getting your doctorate and it's focused on social sustainability. Like, tell us more about that. And I'm like, but those conversations, every time I would want, even as the founder of Amani Collective, people just weren't listening and they weren't, I wasn't being heard of like mm. what this could be because I'm truly passionate, not just about transformation. I'm passionate about sustainable change. Like yeah. I, I want to fight that narrative of like, nonprofits and people coming in and leaving and not following up because mm. that's what's hurting communities. Like yeah. where is our sustainable change? Where are people, and that's the really hot topic of ethical impact and why I started this school, because I'm like, what are we doing? Like that we think it's okay to come into a place to drop a program and say, I'm going to teach you like sewing and I'm going to teach you training and you're going to get this machine, but then to do absolutely no follow-up. And a year later, that woman sells the machine because she doesn't know how to maintenance it. She doesn't have the money to, you know, she doesn't know all the yeah. things. She wasn't taught all the other things that she would need to know with that skill. And so that is what my program is about. Um, it's a gamut of things, but my research is focused on beneficiaries that are in these programs. So like my women, right? Um, they're not part of the research, but in, in this scenario, like my women who are part of Amani Collective, how their motivation, how their behavior changes over length of time in that program. Because what I see as just a personal experience, right, is positive change. Now that's me being biased, but, and so until I finish out my research to prove all, yeah. <laughs> you know, to like, yeah. this is the proof. But what I see is positive change. I see that they change from extrinsically to intrinsic motivation. They come in motivated at first because of a paycheck. And then they eventually, over time, they're motivated because of the community right. and they love being a part of it. And then, of course, um, their behavior changes and yeah. their confidence and that overflows into their community. Yeah. So that could be a whole segment, Molly, but that's We could do passion. like basically a whole podcast on that because I have a lot of feelings yeah. about that as well and why women... I mean, I think it's awesome that you're doing it, but why women a lot of times feel like they need to do things like that for credibility. Um, right. I have a lot of thoughts on that and I am going to not go there because I will then, it, it, this podcast will be seven hours long. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. And every woman, every woman listening is like, mm-hmm, yep. Mm. Yes. I'm inviting you. Okay. This is my formal invitation to you to come on to my podcast and yep. we talk about this because yep. this is... This is hot stuff that I think, again, those topics that need to be talked about, yeah. like why, why are we making, why, why, why do why women we have that? to mm -hmm. have those titles, those degrees, things like that in order to prove themselves worthy mm. or capable when that is often not the case for yes. others. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jenny. Okay. Look, seriously, this could be seven hours long. So we're going to um, we're going to transition just a little bit. But before we do that, um, is there anything that you want to kind of just like leave people with as far as like plans for Imani Collective, things you want to say um, before we get to get to know you around? Yeah, I think my biggest thing is go follow us on Imani Collective. Yes. Get involved by your purchase and powers. Um, if you're not buying like you're not a conscious consumer or even know what that means. If you're listening to this podcast, you should know what that means. They but know. start to let's start to do better in yeah. that and what how we're how we're buying our things. 
And yeah, if you also are just in this stage of creating or you're in the growth stage like Amani Collective, um, and what I've mentioned is go check out School of Ethical Impact because we are opening our school. We're accepting applications right now and opening our first group of students. Um, so that will launch in May. And so we do like an internet. Once you apply, we do an interview to make sure it's a great fit because I, we don't want to make sure you're coming into it and it's not a good fit for our curriculum. But you, if you're a nonprofit leader, you're leading a social enterprise, you're just in the ideation stage too. It's a really like, it's all me and my co-founder Haley's just mistakes and nuggets of wisdom throughout the years that we're, we've poured our hearts and soul into this curriculum. So mm, that's you can go check that out. That's awesome. All right, Jenny, now is the time where we transition just a little bit to ask some fun, get to know you questions. So I Jenny, forget you do this. I should prepare for this. No, Ugh. you're not supposed to prepare. This is how this works. Um, okay. So are you ready for the get to know you round? I'm as ready as I ever will be. All right. What was your favorite TV show to watch growing up? Mm, depends on the age, but I will just go with Saved by the Bell or Friends. Friends, probably Friends. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll stick with Friends. Both. <laughs> Both. My husband has a um, holds a grudge against Save, Save by the Bell because it eventually he used to watch. I think it was on Saturday mornings. He used to watch uh, the old school like Batman cartoons, and eventually oh, yes. uh, Save by the Bell kicked Batman off the TV, and he was very angry about it. <sighs> he still has that grudge. He oh, still man. has a grudge against Save by the Bell. So, <laughs> which I just think is really funny. I'm like, you're pushing forty, babe. Like we can let go of the. <laughs> grudge against <laughs> Saved by the Bell. I love him. He's, yeah, he's those are probably those are probably my two. I got really busy in high school on different things that I didn't watch much TV actually. I was a I was a nerd. <laughs> okay. Um what is something that I would never guess about you? Mm. Mm. That's such a, <laughs> such a mm, I'm just gonna say mm, mm. <laughs> Uh, I did not travel. I, you might know this, but I don't think so. I did not travel out of the country or like the, it was, I think it might've been like the third time I was ever on a plane until I was 18 and going to Kenya. Wow. That's like, that escalated mm. quickly. It's like, yeah, it did. Escalated very quickly yeah, and then escalated. moved my life and then over. moved your life like over there. <laughs> I like it. I like it. No, that is yeah. cool. I did not know that about you. Okay. Mm. What song do you have to sing along with every single time you hear it? Well, because this song has been... Well, I was just singing London Bridges by Fergie the other day and Turkana like dancing. And these women were like, what is happening? <laughs> um, because then they asked me what my music I listened to in high school. And I just like <laughs> played that song because all I could remember was me and like my truck back in the day going to volleyball practice, like playing that song. But there is a there is a worship song that like I have to sing. And it's actually been stuck in my head for like five days. It's this Kenyan song. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's like, I can't believe I'm about to sing. But that's why I praise you. In the morning, that's why I praise you. In the noontime, that's why I praise you. In the evening, that's why I praise you all the time. I've definitely we heard are it. are so happy. Yeah, so that's been like in my head for literally a week and I just cannot get it out. So there you go. I've been I love singing it. it as we've been interviewing. I love mm -hmm. it. That's awesome. That, that makes me really happy. <laughs> um, okay, and then my last question is, uh, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? It just means like being fully aligned uh, with my soul, mm -hmm. really just full alignment. I think, and I, it really hit me when I was sitting in the middle, like, again, just this past weekend, I was telling someone, 
I was actually reflecting on that with my husband and he was like, was it exhausting? Because it was like 110 degrees, Turkana is hella hot. And it was long days, emotional days. And I was sitting in the minata of Margaret's house, like the little hut, they call them minatas. And I'm just sitting there. Margaret, so in the Turkana tribe, they had like the beads really high in their necks, like all the colorful beads. I'm just sitting there and just listening to her speak Turkana. And the, our translator, you know, is telling us that she's just so blessed to have us. And uh, was telling us, we started this program last year, actually, and then really reestablished it after COVID. But so they had gotten salaries last year and just explaining all that she did last year with her consistent monthly salary. And I just started crying because I was like, mm. this is why, why, why we started. It's this long-term sustainability, this solution and finding those, finding, finding that solution, not coming in and buying a lot of baskets and leaving. And then they don't have something in the next month, but she had this every month throughout one of the hardest years. And it was because I said yes to that trip, but it was really like doing good is just like in having a business for a purpose. It's fully in alignment. Um, and where all my values, like it was like, all my values are coming into one, you know, and I was just like, I just felt so there. And so when my husband was like, was it exhausting? I was like, you know, it should have been, but like, I didn't, I didn't want to leave. Like mm. I didn't want to leave after four hours and heat being in that hut. Like just wanted to sit in that moment because this is why, and this is what God created me to do is, is put these moments together and do it with an amazing team mm. to do it together. And so, um, being fully aligned with my spirit and my soul. Mm. Jenny, thank you. Thanks for coming on the show, friend. I'm so glad thanks, to have Molly. you. And uh, this was just this, such a gift to me. So thanks for being here. Thank you, friend. I would love to know what you loved about this episode or if there was something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use the hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Another thank you to our partner of the show, Mama Suds. Don't forget to use that code Molly for 15% off and shop at mamasuds.com. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.